Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And this week, of course, you know what I'm going to say. You're in for a great treat. <laughs> we have Mike from Liqueur 43 and Lisa from Left Coast Wines. Pew, pew. Y'all got to stay tuned. Everybody drink rose. Rose. So we sip rose. We're going to sip rose. Rose. Sip rose. Baby girl, she don't play. Don't play. So we sip rose. We're gonna sip rose. That rose hour, baby. Sip the rose. Hey there, friends. It's Renee and Bartender Ben. Yay! Here at the Rose Hour Podcast. We're so excited because today we have two great guests. And I want to just like hop into that real quick because they're both like wine, liquor, industry people, like wine and spirits. And we've never combined a wine and spirit. Uh, Persons, if you will, in one episode. And I'm excited about this because uh, Mike from Liqueur 43 uh, definitely hooked us up with some of their amazing liqueur. Uh, how do you like it? What does it taste like? What's the background? Give us give us the tea, bartender Ben. Whoa. Most importantly, it's 62 proof. As a liqueur, it's pretty up there. You know, so it's it's really it's a thick, um, it's thick bodied. So you want to mix it to some, you know, uh, like a good whiskey, bourbon, really cut it. You know? um, um, so it's named for its forty three ingredients. So that's what the forty three the number stands for. Um, it's made with fruits and a wide range of aromatic herbs and spices. It's light and sweet with vanilla far away from strangest flavor backed up with bright citrus and warm cinnamon. It's really sweet. So please, if you're going to mix it, mix it with something that's going to cut it. A good bourbon, you know, um, and even like a Jack Daniels. Mm, so it's like an additive. So if, it's a, if this is like over 50 proof and then you get you some Jack, which is like 80 proof or almost 90, like Stand you are by. drinking like over 100 proof right there. Time for lift off, eh? <laughs> socially distancing at home so you can get smashed. Yeah, because you don't have to worry about drinking driving, but just be careful. We don't want addictions as well. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's real easy to slip into it, like depression is real. But anyway, before we get into that, we also are talking to um, the amazing, 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 amazing Lisa of Left Coast Wines. And I love it because Left Coast is one of the best coasts. It's much warmer than the, the right coast. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell us about this? Because, yes, we are double fisting right now. Oh, man. So, man, the 2018 rosé. So it's vintage. Yeah. <laughs> Aromas of zesty citrus-infused rose petals, white cherry watermelon and orange peel. Extended with subtle, subtle, savory notes of summer grasses, dried herbs, and spice. I mean, I, it, one... I like to read the descriptions and to see like how it matches up to the actual rosé. Mm-hmm. And this one's this one's pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I definitely know? taste the watermelon and cherry. Mm-hmm. It's real fruity. Uh, I'm not seeing where the alcohol content is with this, but when we find out, we'll let you know. Well, we'll put it into the 
uh, sub- the, 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 the description. description. Right, right. <laughs> that goes to show you how much we're drinking right now, right? Dang, uh, <laughs> we'll put it in the des- it's in the description rather because you'll be able to see it um, when we post this episode because this episode is coming out on Wednesdays because that's when we post our episode. Yeah. So the Super Bowl is about to happen. And I, I mean, I got questions. I have a lot of questions because it's, it's Tampa Bay. Okay. You know where I'm going with this. Where are you going with it? How? How do they win? I mean, I mean, if you look at the team, though, everyone is talking about how great Tom Brady is. Let's look at his team. Okay. Okay. You got Mike Evans, right? Mm hmm. Leading top 10 wide receiver, right? Okay. He has Gronk, right? The top, you know, top five, top three, what, tight ends of all time? I don't, of all time? I don't know about all time. Gr- Is that, a, like, factual? Look at him. How many Super Bowls he done won? Like, okay. He's, okay. A, he's a an elite level tight end. Okay. So, yes, to not, I'm not discrediting, discrediting Brady at all. He's an elite-level, greatest quarterback of all times, definitely. But when you put that and you mix it with actual targets that he can hit, yes, he's going to go to the Super Bowl. Like, remember back in the day when the Patriots, like, won every game and lost in the Super Bowl? I mean, but also I feel like that was fixed. And also, like, they were mad at Brady. What do you mean? His team. I feel like they were like... Man, it's all about Tom Brady. It's never about us. And like, and also like, I mean, and also like, Kaepernick couldn't discuss his politics, but Brady can. Like, I'm a little confused by that too. You ain't gotta be confused. You know what type of world we're living in. Um, but you know, with with Brady, I mean, the dude is good. So you put somebody good with a great team, they're gonna win. It's like putting LeBron on the Lakers with all the weapons he had, like. He's going to win. Oh, wait. Wasn't yesterday uh, an anniversary of Kobe Bryant's, like, 80-point game? I believe so. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I know that was I mean, was that's again greatness, but, yeah. you but, know. But, like, the Super Bowl, I don't know, like, how, are people going to go? Like, what are what are we what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. The world is different. And, like, I have um, not paid attention to football for real this season. Yeah. And it's like because you can't go to games, you can't really do anything, right. you really can't be supportive. Like there was like cardboard cutouts of people in stadiums at first, just like That's in baseball. I mean, my brother was one. Shout out to Nate um, for at one of the Cubs games. Um, no, excuse me. But I dare I say it. He is a White Sox fan. My bad. Um, but yeah, like how how are they going to do the Super Bowl? And who is the Super Bowl halftime performer this year? Probably J Lo. Always <laughs> well, she did the inauguration, so I feel like she can't I do th- two major events. I think uh, she did like about four or five Super Bowls. She's done a few. I mean, she's done more than one, right? I don't know. I mean, we need to look that up. Like J-Lo, it just right? feels like because it was iconic when she did it, because she bust out that huge Puerto Rican flag. But why we keep picking J Lo? This the only one we could pick. I mean, if you really look at music industry right now she's she the only artist i mean look at the music industry do you want rick ross out there yes because it's the boss like <laughs> Listen, 
boss. I yes, mean, I, I don't want, know. Oh, yes, I want the Rick biggest Rosa. boss that you yes. see thus far. Yes, I want to see. Yes, you know what's crazy? I want to see somebody like a Twenty One Savage out there. I want to see these young black artists out there. Well, I don't think that they have the negotiation power, and and also, I don't think that they would have the draw because it has to be. I think you can't bleep out every word, and like with artists today like you you will have to censor so much but, I mean, in, in their in, performance but back in the day there was there used to be the radio edit it's elements again you know i'm a music junkie so there's there's parts of that that's just not there anymore yeah and that's what i'm saying like, like the, the yeah. 21 savage could could and also i think to a point the nfl i mean if they want to like kaepernick kneel right and they were finding people for kneeling Dare I say, how will we have one of the most hoodest, ratchetest rappers? Like Takashi 69, I can see like getting to the Super Bowl before an actual decent rapper. I understand where you're going, but with that I definitely get where you're going. Um And Takashi 69 sucks. Yeah, we saw him. I said it first. No, you didn't. A lot of people just said that. <laughs> A lot of people just say he sucked. Well, we saw him performing at uh, Made in America, what, Home. three years ago? Yes, horrible. And he was performing in his underwear. He just pulled and showed his natural ass to the whole crowd. Like, what part of entertainment is that? I was just like, I'm good. I think I left. I think I did leave at that point. Yeah, yeah, we all did. <laughs> we broke camp. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Well, I hope everybody watches the Super Bowl and uh, let us know your thoughts. You know, hit us up in our, our Instagram, our DMs and all that amazingness. And let us know your thoughts. And also, like, I want to know what people think about Brady for real. Like, I really want to know, like, why is it okay? I want someone to tell me why is it okay for Brady to be a hardcore politician view one way and someone who has an opposing view, hardcore, gets fines. Well, you know, I, I, I'll say it like this. I mean, I think if Brady wasn't the number one player in the NFL, he wouldn't have that leeway, even even as being a white man. I think in the NFL and these sporting uh, organizations, if you win, people turn to... Uh, you know, blind eye to a lot of stuff you do. Um, Marcellus Wallace. Well, not, Mar- not Marcellus Wallace. Marshawn Lynch is what I meant to say. Right. Uh, Marcellus Wallace is a character from a very hood movie. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, he he was like people were trying to ban him from eating Skittles, like, and he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like the littlest things are fines in one direction. But in other directions, it's not. That's just my perspective. And I don't think it's even about winning, sadly, because Kaepernick was pretty decent. You know, he was he was actually helping the helping helping the 49ers um, during that time. Yeah, you hear our ring. (laughs) Someone's coffee is here. Yeah. So I guess that lets you know that we should get into our first our first interview with Mike of LaCour 43. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what a way to segue.
Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, you guys are in for a treat. He is in California where the sun shines just a little bit brighter. And also their state is super blue because they did really good during uh, the election this past Tuesday. He's amazing. He's serving you up amazing brands of liquor. He is fantabulous. And I also stalked him on Instagram because he's that cool. And his images are super fetch. And if you don't know what fetch means, you're definitely not cool and should follow him so you can become cool. The amazing, the fantastic, the brand manager champion of Liquor Art 43, Mike. <laughs> hey Renee! Wow, I haven't heard an intro like that before, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the heavyweight contender coming from. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird title. Uh, being I'm a, the brand champion of Lacour 43, and I don't think anyone in my family has ever called me a champion before. But I'll, I'll take the title. So. Listen, <laughs> if you're not a champion of a brand and it's liquor, then what are yeah. you doing with your life? Like I'm asking I myself know. this now. <laughs> You know what? If I had told my younger self in college that I would be a brand champion of liqueur, I would be I I would be hell. How could you achieve that? And now this is what my life has become. So it's where dreams impressive to see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, 100%. Mike, how did this how did this happen? Like, how did you get to this road to be a champion of brands of liqueur? Well, you know, it's a funny story. I actually went to college in Florida and then afterwards I moved out to California. I was chasing that whole uh, acting dream. And while doing that, I fell into bartending to kind of help pay rent. And then over the course of a decade, I fell more and more in love with spirits and bartending and designing cocktails and craft cocktails. And as I was kind of learning, I'd grown from working at like Staples Center and Nokia to beach bars in Venice, to fine dining, to a little stint in some nightclubs. And then I really got into the craft cocktail scene at one of my favorite spots in LA, uh, Toca Madeira. And that's where I like honed my skills and I got to curate cocktails for specialty menus. And then from there, uh, I actually uh, got engaged during that process. And, uh, you know, and there was, uh, that was over two years ago. So there's more to that story. But uh, (laughs) with that, uh, the shelf life to a bartender, I feel like you kind of, at a certain point, you can't really do the craft or the high volume and the money with that. So I decided to go on the sales side of things. And I sold French wine for a year while being a bar lead, which I don't recommend anyone to sell French wine in California. It doesn't really go over that well, especially with all the California, great California wines that are here. And then during that process, I got aligned with the people uh, of LaCour 43 and the Zamora company, applied for a job and I haven't looked back. And it's been a great experience of travel and education and cocktail design and getting to talk on LaCour 43. Wow. So, I mean, how does one like even even like study to know how to talk on a particular brand? Like, is it like a lot of drinking? Is it their classes? Like, how did you become this champion? You know, (laughs) you know what? I think everyone's story is different as to how they fall in with their company. When I joined uh, 
because there's uh, the Zamora Company Global, which our corporate offices are in Madrid, and then the Zamora USA, which our offices are in Dallas. I had a, a two-week training program where I was uh, taught about Lacor 43, the the family history of the brand, uh, which I can talk about now if you want, or hold off till later to talk about. But it was a very extensive process, and then from there I started to do a lot of R and D. Which is a like to design cocktails with the brand and finding the ways that you can use the Core Forty Three, basically in any base spirit and any cocktail, especially with coffee or mezcal. Ooh, really? Yeah, hundred percent. There's uh, we actually have a cocktail that has been taking off in Mexico, the Carajillo, and uh, it is all over Southern California, uh, Texas. Florida, and I have a feeling it it will be entering the Northeast shortly. But it is delicious. It's just equal parts of liqueur forty three and espresso. Ooh, really? That just yes. sounds like so simple, but yet someone somewhere accidentally spilt it. Probably right? Is that like how yes. it happened? And then they're like, "This is delicious." You try it. Yeah. And then it became a drink. Is that <laughs> no? Pretty much. You know, it's the simplicity of it too, because you know, like. I have designed several cocktails in like my tenure as a bartender and now as a brand champion. But it's funny sometimes when I'm like, okay, I've got a name for a cocktail. I want to do a cocktail called "I Love You So Matcha," and then you start messing around with the matcha powder, and then you realize you need eight ingredients, and then for some reason, it this complicated, simple idea that you had is too much. Where the carajillo is just equal parts, so easy to do. If you don't have an espresso machine, you can use cold brew from the fridge. Or if you have a Keurig or an espresso at home, or a percolator, there's just so many easy ways to make this cocktail. Or add your own little twist on it if you want to add a little bit of rum, a little bit of whiskey. As we head into these winter months, you can kind of up up the ABV on it as well. <laughs> I'm here for yeah. that. I'm here. Yeah, for that. yeah. <laughs> so, is there like a holiday drink you guys have that maybe you can tell people about? Because I know. Um... <laughs> People are in the holiday spirit. Yes. You know what? It's so funny. Last night, I I got asked to make a blindfolded drink for our company. And I made a a peppermint carillo blindfolded. And they asked me to do it uh, in 30 seconds. It... My best try was uh, four minutes, and my worst was six. But uh, it was uh, definitely interesting. I just again, it's just liqueur forty three uh, espresso. I use my Nespresso pods that I have at home, and then I added a, a clap of mint into it. And then I did. I crushed up some candy canes, and I did uh, a candy cane peppermint rim on it. And then uh, grabbed some powdered sugar and put it on top, and it with a mint sprig inside it and it looked like kind of like a tree with snow on it uh, with a little candy cane garnish and it was delicious so it's a very again easy holiday recipe to replicate and if you have family with you uh, coffee is always good to get people talking especially after a big meal after dinner (laughs) I love that and it's very 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 true so (laughs) I'm here for all of that (laughs) so it seems like you have the right title champion because you are in these amazing situations where you can blindfold yourself or blindfold yourself and and create drinks and I mean I can't even blindfold myself and and you know like write my name properly <laughs> so I mean this this is a the right title for you 
Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I know you said you went to college. Uh, what was your, like, degree there? Were you, like, hospitality or were you, like, marketing or, like, were you, like, an engineer and, like, was like, mm, I'm going to switch For me, it was kind of funny. I, I went to Rollins College in Florida. I, I luckily had, like, a leader scholarship and... I got uh, an acting scholarship starting my sophomore year, and I was an acting major there. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I never thought that, uh, like, transferable skills with acting could be used uh, in the liquor business. But so much of my job, even today, uh, is about being able to present in front of a large crowd of people, get people excited about the brand. If, let's just say, there's a thing going on and people have been tasting excellent rosés all morning and then you're the ninth uh, rep to go up to be able to talk over them and to use your full voice and to command a room, it's it's definitely been uh, a cool skill that I am so grateful for that I think is very transferable, especially in the liquor industry when so much stuff is moving online and with videos and photos and cocktail recipes and kind of creating stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I think you made a great point, you know, like as we're in a pandemic right now, um, we're seeing like liquor sales are soaring through the roof. Um, yes. How is that impacting sort of like your day to day of what normally you would do and sort of like create? Is it like it making you guys do more because, you know, people want more, not only liquor, but more experiences and like ideas and crafting ideas behind how they drink and socially distanced drink? Been a, it's definitely been an interesting time for us where we've had to pivot with some of our designs, some of our like very like, because I, I love doing smoke drinks and fire cocktails, but then when you break that down to the poor costs for a restaurant or how realistic it is for someone to make that cocktail at home, we kind of went back to basics and the simplicity of drinks. Uh, liqueur 43 being a Spanish liqueur with 43 natural ingredients and the main notes of it being vanilla, citrus, and orange blossom, it it pairs perfectly with any base spirit. So you could use it in like an old fashioned at home or any daiquiri. Uh, we have a cocktail that's kind of been taking off here in Southern California called the Oaxacan Lady. And that is a mezcal based drink with just a simple, like if you're at home, if you have just one lemon that usually garners about one ounce of lemon, squeeze it fresh. You do uh, three quarters of an ounce of liqueur 43 and then two ounces of mezcal and you pick that up and you can serve that on the rocks or in a martini glass and you are good to go. So there are several options, but it's, I think, educating people how to make drinks at home and also how to simplify things down for restaurants that aren't running with a full staff or people are working things that they may not have worked before, where there's a bar back that's now a bartender a waiter that's now bartending or a host that's moving into a bartending role. So it's people learning and also educating people on our brand. Well, that's amazing. So with educating people on your brand, how can people find you guys online and follow and also purchase? And also, I want to actually, before you answer that question, answer that latter, uh, okay. I want to talk more about Liqueur 43 specifically and like want to know like sort of like a little bit of the background of like how it was created and like the details of that 
Okay. Well, the Core 43 is a 2,000-year-old secret family recipe that only three people in the world know. Oh, this is uh, good already. I love it. Yeah, that. yeah. It, I, I actually had breakfast with one of the three people that know uh, when I was on a company trip, and he did not tell me any of the ingredients. But of the 43, the, the ones that like, kind of stand out are vanilla, obviously, and that kind of, but it pairs with any base spirit that you put it with. So you can have a rum mojito and add a little note of vanilla that'll kind of up it uh, in a mojito or in a daiquiri or in a margarita. So the, the options where you can use the core 43 are just pretty much in anything. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about that earlier and I'm just like, we didn't really get into like the history of it. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think that's the thing people like to know too is like, well, how did this get here? Like, you know, people are like, oh, this rosé is from, you know, Saint-Tropez and, you know, some people made it at this one vineyard and they stopped great for 16 hours. But like, this is even more secretive. I feel like this is like a stones or some bones or yeah. something like that fraternity. And like when you know the it, recipe, it, they kill you. <laughs> I've asked about that because there there is a family crest on the bottle. And I was like, is this like how the recipe was like told from different parts and different Ooh. cities in Spain? But I was told that that's not true. It's just the family crest on it. But I just like went there, like what they're talking about with skulls. And I love that movie. But uh, I it, know, right? it, yeah, yeah, it's just uh And the best part about the secret ingredients, because memorizing 43 ingredients is hard, but uh, just knowing that um, there's so many uses for it is what makes it so easy to sell to people and everyone really should have it on their back bar this winter, especially this holiday season. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and it's a beautiful bottle. It's so you guys, when you see it, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's so cute. But like, it's delicious. <laughs> so don't be fooled. It's cute, but it's delicious, girl. You're going to drink it up. <laughs> <laughs> so now back to my former question, which was how can people connect with you guys and also purchase some of this amazing liqueur? Okay. Uh, to connect with us on uh, Instagram and uh, Instagram, we've got our own liqueur43USA account which we are very active on. And then there is the LaCour 43 global account, which uh, manages all, since we are a global LaCour and we are the fastest growing uh, premium LaCour in the world. uh, There's a lot of interesting recipes that we share on that and on our Facebook as well. Uh, And I'm always pouring out different cocktails uh, on my personal page, which is my full name, Mike Nardelli 443. And that's on Instagram as well. And I, I, at the beginning of COVID, I was doing a lot of uh, videos. Now that we've kind of reopened, I've gone back out into the market. So I haven't had as much time to do as many cocktail videos, but I, I'm always posting uh, photos of cocktails and with recipes included as well. So there's a lot of options there. Man, I'm just so excited. And I love, love, love the photos. So if you have not or are not following, definitely follow them because... I mean, it's just a beautiful treat to see you guys when you're scrolling in your feed. You guys are like a brightest ray of sunshine, so I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, Renee. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, our last question to you is the best question of the day, right? It's what is your favorite rosé? Dun, dun, dun. Dun. 
No, I'm gonna say that since I sold French wine for a year, I love any rosé from Provence. Ooh. But since I'm a Spanish brand and I work for a Spanish company, I'm gonna say uh, Ramon Bilbao's Rioja Rosato. Ooh. Which is delicious. Scrumptiousent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it, Mike. I'm here for it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. Well, Mike, this has been so much fun. And we definitely want to have you on Instagram Live. I know you said you haven't had time lately, but we're going to make some time, especially during the holiday season. To oh, have you I would on. love that. Yeah, so you can make We've some time live. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can do a, a, a rosé sangria uh, or any cocktails. I would love to do that with you guys. Definitely. Oh, well, you guys heard it here first. So stay tuned. We're going to do some Instagram lives. You guys are going to learn how to make some more amazing cocktails for the holidays. I mean, it's two and a half months <laughs> of fun. Like, let's think about it. From now until January. I mean, like, we get up to MLK Day. Like, it's just festival, festival, festival. Like, fun times, holidays. So. <laughs> 100%. We appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Mike. We appreciate you for being here today. Cheers. Cheers. Yay. All righty. Oh my gosh, Mike, such a great interview and you are so amazing. I am so glad we are new besties because let me tell you, Mike is that guy. (laughs) We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're talking to Lisa of Left Coast Wines because the Left Coast is the best coast. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosé Hour podcast. And today, you guys, I tasted this rosé and literally had an out-of-body experience. This stuff was so delicious. The first sip had me at hello. I am just so excited, so, 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 so honored that Lisa of Left Coast Estate is here. So, Lisa, welcome. Yay. (laughs) Hello, hello. Yay, Lisa. Girl, (laughs) that rosé of yours. I mean, we're going to get into all of the secret sauce and everything that you you feel comfortable telling us. (laughs) But love to know, how did you get started into the wine industry? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, So my name is Lisa. Um, I'm here in Oregon, Rick Real, Oregon, actually. So west of Salem. Um, And long story short, uh, I was actually in college at Washington State University. Um, I was a junior and still undecided. Mm. (laughs) As you can imagine, I was just, you know, blowing through all of those student loans, (laughs) taking all the student loans, whatever you want. Um, And yeah, I met a hospitality professor, Dennis Reynolds, um, who actually works down at the uh, Houston College now. But he said I would be perfect for this industry. And he meant the wine industry. Um, So I actually got a degree in wine business management under the hospitality school at Washington State. And then from there, I moved to Austin, Texas, sold wine on the floor at Specs um, for two years. And I met some winemakers um, through Specs, actually, from Australia. And they asked me to come work for them over in Australia. And that was my first hands-on experience with winemaking um, over at Yalumba in the Barossa Valley, so South Australia. Um, yeah, I know. It was a really, really cool and just kind of last minute, I just said yes. Um, 
And now, so far, I've done seven harvests, and five of them have been here at Left Coast. Um, and then another one was in New Zealand for a pretty large custom crush facility. Um, and then, yeah, I've been here at Left Coast and for on and off for about four years, and I've managed the taste room for about two or over two now. Um, but yeah, I maintain social media here. Um, when we could have events, I planned a lot of events. Um, and then, yeah, bottling. I actually live on property right now, too. So what? that's kind of fun, too. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, like, harvest after dark after season is like a thing for you guys. I love it. It should be it a TV is. show. <laughs> it should be. Oh, my God. I, I, yeah, I, I, I only can imagine what goes down, but like, you have like one amazing story. Like, I love that you went to Australia, but we got to rewind. How did, how does, how do people know about wine? Like degrees. This was not something <laughs> at my university. Like I, I know, I know. What? It, uh, you know, it was actually pretty short lived at Washington State. Um, Dennis Reynolds, who is a he's a hospitality um, professional who's been in the industry for years and years and years. Um, he saw an opportunity um, because. Washington State has a kind of a satellite school down in Walla Walla, Washington, um, where viticulture is huge down there. Um, obviously, because you're getting the hand on hands-on experience um, with the wineries in Walla Walla. Um, but he, we had a great hospitality school, and he saw um, an opportunity to start something else, um, more geared towards the wine industry um, and front of the house wine industry. Um, so I did a lot of viticulture, horticulture classes, um, but a lot of it was business and hospitality and just kind of, kind of gearing you towards how to show people the world of wine. Wow. And, and I mean, like, that's amazing because I know a lot of people are like, especially because there was like a Netflix movie about sommeliers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so like people are like, oh, it's only sommeliers, but like there's degree programs out there where For you sure. can sort of get that same education. It sounds like as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, there wasn't, I I think now it would probably evolve more towards getting certifications while you're in college um, or while you're at university. Um, but yeah, back then it was very babyish, but everybody wanted to take the wine tasting classes. So <laughs> I mean, had I known, I would have been a junior like three more years. For sure. Yeah. I was like, this industry sounds fun. Great. Yeah. Like I definitely would be like, uh, excuse me, counselor. Uh, you didn't give me the proper guidance. You know, I love wine, girl. I definitely would have done that. For sure. And we had a, we had a blending class on Saturday morning, which you can imagine how that was. Um, we would make our own, we actually made our own, um, blend, um, from the only winery in Pullman, Washington. They outsourced all their grapes. Um, but yeah, we, we got to make a blend um, and every vintage, um, they kind of have a Washington State blend just from that class. Wow. And, you know, I think a lot of people, one, think California, Napa Valley is the only place that mm -hmm. good wine comes out in the U.S. Um, what, what do you think about Washington State and Oregon and like sort of the play they get, you know, and the 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 world of conversation of just general, like good wines come from. <laughs> um, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Washington, Oregon, um, different parts of Oregon. Um, I've gone through Napa, Sonoma, you know, kind of all the major wine regions in California. Um, and I don't want to say it's overrated down there. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think uh, visiting smaller, um, even larger wineries in Washington and Oregon, it's a little more 
you know, like farm to table and you really get to like get your hands dirty if you want to. And sometimes the owners or the winemaker will be walking through um, and you don't always get that uh, in those kind of larger, I don't know, more touristy yeah. wine regions, I guess. Well, and, and also like you have like international experience, like going mm-hmm. to down under, right? Like mm-hmm. and Australia wines are legit dope as well. What what oh was gosh. like your experience like working there compared to like the US? Um, well, both times I worked abroad, uh, I was at kind of larger wineries. Um, Yolumba was an awesome place to learn because, you know, it was kind of a corporation in a lot of ways. So they taught you everything, you know, OSHA regulation, <laughs> where it's mm-hmm. not always like that at a smaller winery. Um, but I did work at 24 hour facilities. So my shifts were actually, um, at one place it was midnight to noon. Oh wow. And then the place in New Zealand, it was 8 PM to 8 AM. So, whoa. (laughs) So they were working 24 seven. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, you kind of create this bond because you're working with people, the same people every single day for 12 hours a day and sometimes living with them as well. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, you just, I mean, you get a night shift gets kind of weird. So yeah. get all loopy sometimes, but, and you usually don't have days off either. So. What? Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. That's crazy that no days, I'm, I'm speechless. Like <laughs> everybody needs a little break. I mean, yes, the wine industry is fabulous, but come on. That's just how harvest is. You have to get the grapes in as quick as possible. They're, they don't wait. They don't stop ripening. So. That's true. So we'd love to know more about Left Coast Wines. Like, I sure. love the name. Like, how did mm-hmm. they come up with that? I mean, clearly, I'd probably figure it out. Context clues. <laughs> I know, right? Love to know Actually, more. yeah. So there's, there's a couple different stories. Um, basic story is um, it is owned by a family, um, the Faff family, P-F-A-F-F. And so there's Suzanne and Bob, the parents. Um, and they have three children, Carlton, Callie, and Taylor. Um, Taylor's the youngest. He's about, I think, 32 now. Um, and he took over as CEO a few years ago. Um, but when the kids were all growing up, they would look at the map and they were big travelers. They kind of lived everywhere, um, including in Europe and Canada and everything like that. Um, but when they would look at a map of the U.S., they would call it the left and the right coast as opposed to the east and the west. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the basic one. Um, and then also as you're kind of driving in here, um, if you've ever been to our property or if you plan on coming, you'll notice it's a lot of left turns. There's actually about four left turns to get up to the tasting room. Um, and that just happened by chance, I think, but it is what it is. It's part of the story now. Um, <laughs> I mean, somebody was like psychic, like, let's just keep going left. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt right, I guess. Um, and then the last one, actually, so three out of five of the founding family members are left-handed. Whoa, that's abnormal. It is, it is, but yeah. Wow. Part of the story. <laughs> well, people get with a fa- past family because... Uh, You'll end up with a lefty for a child. I'm here for that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, yeah. So what kind of uh, wines do you guys have at Left Coast Wines? Um, We actually have quite an array. We are all estate grown. So all of our properties right here, we have about 500 acres total. Wow. Um, And one 
150 of that is under vine. Um, we grow seven different grape varietals. We make about 22 different labels every single year. Um, 20, this 2020 vintage was a kind of a doozy. So we didn't do every single label, but, um, on normal years, we make about 22 different labels. Um, we have Viognier, we have Pinot Blanc, we do Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, we do Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier as the rosé you're drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have a number of different Pinot Noirs. Um, and then we also do a little bit of Syrah as well. Wow. Like, mm -hmm. I can only imagine what the tasting room is like and like what your job <laughs> is. So how do you come up with like these flights and sort of like, you know, sort of like we these rotate. educational moments? We rotate a lot. Um, <laughs> and before before COVID, um, we were offering, this is actually our first year offering two different flights. Um, one was kind of like our flagship entry-level wines. And then we had a kind of a more elevated experience with lots of our um kind of champagne method sparklings and single vineyard pinots. Um, but we wrote, we changed when we had to. And then even when we have one right now, we change it every single month. Wow. So, uh, you know, I got to ask this question for your rosés for next year. What are we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, so the vintage of Brut Rosé that I sent you is actually our second vintage of doing the Brut Rosé. Um, and that was a kind of a last minute decision. Great decision, of mm -hmm. course. Yes. Um, and, you know, we do three different styles of rosé. And I think we're we're going to try... I think actually 2020, we did try to do... We're trying a concrete fermented rosé. But I'm not sure if we're going to keep it that way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that's the beauty of this because it's like... Mm. We're not gonna waste that. Let's make something yeah. else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. So we do the we do the brut rose, hundred percent Pinot Meunier, and that's traditional champagne method. Um, we riddling racks, and we do all the riddling ourselves. Um, and then we also have our flagship rose, which is a blend of Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier, um, and that spends a little bit of time in neutral French oak, which kind of gives it a complexity. It tones down the acidity, um, makes it really really beautiful, and I think it really reminds me of the Bandol region of France um a little different varietals there but um it's very complex in that way and it's ageable actually and very versatile um as far as food pairings um and then we also have a um new French oaked rosé as well that's 100% Pinot Noir and named after Suzanne um one of our founders oh that's so beautiful I love really? that oh I would love to know more too about like you said you live there how does I that do. work? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, since I've been here for a number of years um, and then, you know, I work at least five days a week in the tasting room. Um, a lot of people think I'm part of the family and in certain ways, I think I've weaseled my way in there a little bit. Um, <laughs> but they do have an apartment on property as well as the little kind of cottage that the family, the um, Bob and Suzanne live in. Um, and so the the apartment was vacant for at least a year before I started asking if I could live there. Wow. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. cool. And I mean, it yeah. makes sense because you do work a lot and it's a great mm -hmm. way to stay, you know, and in, in committed, <laughs> if you will, uh, for sure. <laughs> to, to the job. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, you know, there's, it's kind of out there. We're in Rick Real, Oregon. Um, we're right next to Salem. We're right below McMinnville, but we're, you know, at least an hour and a half from Portland. Um, and the place I was living was 40 minutes and at least 40 miles. So um, it was kind of a drive. And yeah, now I just have to walk about 10 yards. 
I mean, talk about never late for work. I'm here for it. And I have two dogs. The dogs love it out here. Oh, Um, what kind of dogs? And I do spend... Uh, I have a lab pit bull mix named Luna. And then um, Holler is a border collie. I love a good dog. And it sounds like you have two good ones. (laughs) Well, Lisa, I got to know, how can people follow uh, and also purchase wine from Left Coast Wines? Definitely. So um, we're pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Our handle on Instagram is left coast wine um and we do different stories on there sometimes we'll do live tastings um the first closure of covid we were doing um, live tastings every single saturday morning and that was fun um sometimes we'll do uh some live pizza classes as well what? yeah so we do wood-fired pizza on the weekends and different stuff during the week so we have a cafe on site as well oh is there anything you guys don't do <laughs> we do a lot of stuff. Uh, we have chickens and ducks. We grew hemp last year. We do honey. Um, we have a hundred acres, over a hundred acres of oak savanna. We actually uh, work with Fish and Wildlife to restore the oak savanna and create kind of a natural habitat for a lot of birds in the area. Um, yes, it's never ending, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it, and we yeah. love it. We love it. Now, I got to ask, this is a real, real, real question. It's the realest question ever, okay? (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite rosé? Oh, besides our left coast rosé Of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I'm biased, obviously, and I do help make it. But um, if I had to choose something besides our left coast rosés, honestly, living in Texas, I drank rosé year-round, and I still do now. But um, I think the market for rosé in the south is huge um but one of my favorites was from the bandal region of france um it's called domaine de la i might butcher this but garen mm. um and it's majority since um and it's really beautiful rosé and i think they might do a little bit of oak influence um or at least neutral oak um and i think that's why i'm biased with our flagship rosé um but uh, as far as versatility goes it's amazing Oh, wow. Well, we got to try it. So definitely picking it up and also some more left coast wines, rosé, because it made my (laughs) life, you guys. It is one of the best rosés I've ever had. So Lisa, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it and learned so much from you. Thank you. Thank you. It was so fun. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Virtually. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much, Lisa. Such a great interview. And we really appreciate you taking the time out uh, and talking with us. And also, this rosé is delicious. If you have not gone to Left Coast Wines uh, and and made your purchase, you got to do so today because it is really good. Um, And I'm going to have to say it's top 10. Definitely one of the top 10 wines that I've had. So thank you guys so much for all you do at the Left Coast Wines. I wonder if Dr. Dre goes there. Anywho, I want to also thank our guest, uh, Mike from LaCour 43, uh, Bartender Ben, and all the people here at the Rosiara Podcast. Uh, friends, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. Uh, we are releasing episodes every Wednesday. And if you haven't noticed, this is season two. Season two, guys. Who would have thought? I mean, we thought, but oh, you know how that goes. <laughs> Anywho, 
Don't forget to check us out on our website. We have merch there too. And also, uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, the Rosie Hour Podcast. And check out Bartender Ben on his channel uh, where he is cooking meat with hashtag Meat Chronicles. Uh, And you can check him out at bartenderben underscore DC. Until next week, friends. Sip, sip, hooray! You made it through today!